0: In this episode, I'm delighted to feature gallerist Monique Molosh during OVR Miami Beach, Art Basel's online viewing rooms initiative running December 2nd through the 6th. Monique founded her eponymous gallery in Chicago's West Loop in 2001 with an international roster of emerging artists working in all media. Her program has been diverse and inclusive since its inception and continues to be a bellwether for artistic talents early or underrecognized in their careers. Artists include Rashid Johnson, Amy Sherald, Ebony G. Patterson, David Antonio Cruz, Sanford Biggers, and Brendan Fernandez. She has consistently presented conceptually challenging programming in Chicago and at art fairs internationally with an emphasis on institutional outreach. Canadian-born Monique a B.A. from the University of Michigan and Masters of Art History and Theory from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. She spent six years at the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago as an assistant curator, then went on to direct both Rona Hoffman and Kavi Gupta galleries before striking out on her own and will celebrate the gallery's 20th anniversary in 2021. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Enjoy this episode featuring Monique Molash. Thank you, Monique, for joining me on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast today. I'm delighted to feature you, uh, especially considering that you're going to be very present during Art Basel. So why don't we start with you sharing with listeners, when did you first become interested in visual art? Thanks, Phyllis, and thank you for having me.
1: Um, I was, you know, I did not come from an art family. Um, I was not like a gallery or museum going child. Um, I was involved like with dance and theater and competitive cheerleading. Um, but, uh, I took an AP, an advanced placement humanities class, my senior year of high school. Um, Mrs. Rose was my teacher. Um, I actually just, um, emailed my high school to be like, I need to find this woman and thank her. It like the whole advanced placement class was divided into music, it was theater, it was visual arts. But it was like that first day sitting like in a darkened room, watching her go through a carousel of slides was just so captivating. And, um, I had already declared a pre-law major at the university of Michigan where I went for undergrad um and i elected to take an art history 101 class and found my calling like my after my first semester i called my dad and said you know so i'm going to switch to art history as my major not even knowing like you know i didn't even know what a commercial gallery was i you know i thought either i was going to go into academia or on the curatorial side and said like will you still pay for my schooling if i make this change and thankfully he was um uh, uh, he was supportive and, um, like I was, I was just hooked, but I, again, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so when I graduated, um, I'm from Canada. So I moved back to um, Toronto and I worked at a contemporary Canadian art gallery for a year for one year and learned the ropes. Then I moved to Chicago to go to the school of the art Institute of Chicago. And, um, I was lucky enough to snag a, a a job at the Museum of Contemporary Art, which started as like, I was the auction assistant. It was supposed to be like a three month, temp job. And I parlayed that into six years of full-time employment um, eventually as an assistant curator. So it's like, I I thank Mrs. Rose. Like she's the one lady who changed my life.
0: Yeah, wow. And you should pat yourself on the back also. (laughs) You say from three weeks to, to six years, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, you know,
1: you gotta you gotta
0: <laughs> know what you're worth and, and ask for. And the worst thing somebody can say is no, right? Exactly. So do you recall some of the um early works that initially caught your eye?
1: Definitely. And it and it it was not contemporary for sure, because um at that time, even you know, studying art history, contemporary only went into like the 60s. Um so it didn't even get into my moment, right? This was like the late eighties. And, um, I did do a semester abroad, um, my undergrad in Florence. And I just, I fell in love with Bernini, like the sculptor Bernini. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like no one can do what he does. He just like, he's, he's incredible. Um, and, but like, I always laugh, like everyone always asks me that, like, what's your favorite artist? And like, my go-to is always Bernini. It's like, wow, like you're a contemporary art dealer. Like you can't (laughs) say somebody who's like at least in your stable or, you know, Mm -hmm. contemporary artist, which I can name a million. But um, no, there's just like something about his work that like gets, gets me. And I love now how um, Sanford Biggers, an artist who I represent is now making these classical marble sculptures. He calls them chimeras. They fuse like, you know, like, something from a bernini sculpture with african sculptures but rendered in marble so it's kind of like maybe like my my dream has finally come true that i can have these uh, bernini like sculptures in my gallery
0: (laughs) that's funny um and when did you decide to open your gallery
1: um so i decided and uh, after i worked at the museum for six years a lot of times you know when you're in a museum um, Upward mobility only goes so far, and that's why you see curators moving from institution to institution. And I had fallen in love with Chicago um, as a city, and I didn't want to, didn't want to move. So um, I, I looked around to other possibilities, and um, I, I had the opportunity to work with, with Rona Hoffman, um, and I was her director for two years. And so she's kind of like, I say that she's like my PhD, and I just like, I learned it all from her um you know and um worked for her for 2 years and then kavi gupta hired me to be his director and i was i was given much more um kind of artistic control with his program um because he was developing his a new building and, and a new gallery space so Um, once the building got built and he reopened up, he was kind of just like, okay, well now I'm going to take control back. And I was like, Oh, well maybe (laughs) not or not. Maybe not. Of course he was, but um, (laughs) I'm kind of like, maybe it's time for me to put my name on the door um, and make all of the decisions. So that was in um, 2000. um, And I opened the gallery in my home. Like I said, I worked for coffee until like June of 2000 and I'm like, okay, I'm just looking for spaces, doing whatever. I just got married in 1999. Like, it was just like crazy. And um, we had a, a new home and it wasn't fully furnished. And I finally looked to my husband and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do something crazy. We're going to open my gallery in our home. We did a show called Home We had 30 artists um, with over 90 artworks on all three floors of the home.
0: Unbelievable.
1: It was crazy Like the opening night, we had 350 people through (laughs) our door, which is insane. I had my, you know, I had my my friends with like little like makeshift buttons being like, I'm an MMG, like a Monique Molosh employee. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just trying to make sure that they're not going into my closet or whatever. And um, it was, it was really like, that gave me the like the fortitude to go forward and be like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to really get a real brick and mortar space and, and open up. And my husband was quite happy to not have people sitting on our bed watching video.
0: <laughs> so when I first became familiar with, with your gallery, I noticed that you represent a lot of artists of color. Expand on that. Um, why did you lean in that direction going back 20 years?
1: Um, it. It was not even a a lean in that direction thing. It was just, this is who I am. And this is what my, I'm an inclusive person by nature. And I, I didn't even, I didn't even look at, you know, male to female diversity or whatever. It's like my program was already diverse from the get go. And that's just who I worked with. Like, my first year, we worked with, like, Venezuelan artist Carlo Rocha, um, Panama-born Laura Mascara, Puerto Rican artist Carlos Roland, who was then known by his tagging name of Design. Um, right when I opened up, Rasheed Johnson approached me um, right after I opened, and he was like, "I, you know, it took me out to lunch. I want you to represent me. And um, uh, I, I had known him and his work. He was working with – uh, the Nnamdi Gallery, which is uh, another gallery that was here in Chicago at the time. And I agreed, you know, with him, like, yes, I would love to represent you, but you have to go to grad school. And so that was in 2001. He started his MSBA then at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And then in 2003, we made his first solo exhibition. So it's, um, you know, it's just, it's never been a question. Like if you, go, you just go back through the history of the gallery, and it's like, it's just there.
0: So you not only show an artist's work, you also advise them, yeah, I feel it's um you know we we although we are
1: coming up on our twenty year anniversary, we're still a very small operation. I only have a, you know like a like a full time staff of three and myself and then my husband who's the partner in the gallery and um, you know we we take represent- representation very seriously and a lot of our artists were working with them at the very beginning of their career where they're super green and they don't know anything. And We're like, you know, trying to like put it all out for them. Like, you know, here's the plan that we have for you, right? Like we want you to go from your like first show to your work being cared for in institutions, you know, like that's, that's the artist that I want to work for who have that same vision. Um, You know, we're, we're quite good friends with, um, you know, with all of our artists, and I love that also that my artists get to be friends with each other who like didn't even know each other. Like I've had, you know, artists who did not know each other who then eventually stood up for each other in their weddings, which is so cool. And um, you know, and like um, my, my husband, who's, who's very financially savvy and comes from the real estate world, but is very very astute um, art collector. And, um, you know, he now, um, he's, he's no longer working in real estate and has, has come on, um, in a much greater role in the gallery. And you know, he's really advising our artists on, you know, buying their first home and like how, how you deal with your student loans and like how, how you take care of your money financially. And so we're just... We're, we're really there for, like, the whole picture. Like, I'm not there to make a buck. I'm there to, like, you know, make sure the world sees how great these artists are and, and allow them to thrive.
0: So you're nourishing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, these are, you know, when everyone um, asks me if I have children, I'm like, yes, I have, you know, anywhere between 14 and 20. And they're like, wow, you look good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, you know, it's like, I, they're, they're, you know, even if some of my artists are, are similar age to me, like, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm the den mother, and I'm looking out for them. And if they're feeling low, they like, you know, call me for, you know, like a little, uh, you know, boost or something like I'm, I'm there to be your psych, psychiatrist, well, not psychiatrist, but like,
0: I don't know, lend, lend a hand when I can. Yeah, yeah a mentor. Given that you do develop these types of relationships with your artists, what motivates you or inspires you to actually work with someone? Is it their their work? Is it their work combined with their personality? I mean, what type of process do you go through before you make a commitment?
1: Um, I mean, number one, it's the work, right? Like the work has to be there for me. Um, And it's it's that question that can't really be answered because it's a gut feeling for me. I can go on and on about like, I like this and I like this. At the end of the day, it's like just a feeling. And when I feel it, I, I go for it. Um, You know, artists, their personalities are normally their work. Right. And then some of them are bombastic. Some of them are a little more subdued. um, But I'm only going to work with somebody who I really can get along with and we can make this a beneficial partnership. Right. This is like a no asshole situation. (laughs) And, um, you know, like there, there are some artists whose work I admire that I'm like, I'm never going to work with them. I just can't, it's just too much work. And like when it, when the partnership works well, you, you work well, together right like I work really hard for my artists and I'm like here's here's what I do like I provide you you know I provide you a show I take you to art fairs I you know promote you to curators I you know I do this that and the other and then you in turn you make your work and you give me work and you um you know, come and support things, and and then what? What the, the goodness that happens to any one of my artists shines back on the other artists, so it becomes this real um, family situation. And uh, you know, I I don't know. Like I I have been asked many times, like, oh, you're you're doing so well. Like, are you going to branch out and have another location? You know, in another city or whatever. And I'm like, no, I love Chicago. I love where I'm at. I got a terrific space. And, you know, we're completely global. And right now we're completely, you know, almost completely virtual. And, um, you know, it's just like, I still want to, I, I, I want to keep doing what I've always done. And it's always still going, you know, I want to work with an artist for a very long period of time and not always have them like scooped up by a bigger gallery. Um, and, and many of my, you know, like there's many of my artists who have gone on, but also still stay with us. But that allows me to open up and be like, all right, well, who's this young artist who then I can like share this knowledge with and, and bring them out into the world. Yeah,
0: nice. How do you feel artists are handling the situation we're in with COVID?
1: It's, it's been a very um, mixed thing. Obviously, you know, everybody's affected. Um, the majority of my artists, uh, had no access to their studios for several months. So that was a, a big deal. And, um, you know, some most, anything that they were working toward um, got postponed. Uh, I'm very fortunate. Nothing for any of my artists actually got canceled. Um, but they all had things to to work toward. So like someone like, you know, Nate Young was the artist we were supposed to open with in in March, right, when everything closed down. That was our supposed to be our opening date. And he also had a, a solo exhibition here in Chicago at the Driehaus Museum that was going to open at the same time. So Driehaus definitely couldn't open. That finally opened in September. Um, and – but – we were nimble enough to be like, all right, here we are here in Chicago. And, you know, I know how to, I know how to use a drill. I know how to hang art. And so like my husband and I were like, we're going to be the crew. And Nate rented a van and he brought his stuff in and we hung his show. And we knew no one could come in, but we were like, okay, our photographer, um, it, we found out actually had video equipment. So we asked him if he could, do like a little short video and he created the most beautiful four, like, you know, three or four minute video that we shared with everybody that, um, really, really showed the exhibition, which was so esoteric. Like it's like it was interactive sculptures that had motion sensors. So there's absolutely no way you could just send a that. <laughs> um, but, um, and I, I will say like now our photographer, I know Robert Chase Heisman. Um, he he's now like making videos for every gallery in the city. Like that's like the silver lining of this. We all realize that all of our shows should not just be photographed, but we should have a video walkthrough. Because no matter what, even when COVID ends, um, which it will eventually, like having that video component is just really a compelling thing to be able to show, you know, someone across the globe what is going on here.
0: Social media is so kind to the art world. It is. There's just so much more you can experience uh, in a period like this. Do you think you'll see artists in their work? Do you feel that their theme or the feel of their work will be impacted by the lockdown? Um, There's
1: some yes, some no, right? Like, um, I mean, Ebony G. Patterson she was out out of her studio and she had to work from home. So she all of a sudden, you know, was working on a a very, very smaller scale, but still working out the same themes and using the same materials, but like on a very, very truncated scale for an artist who actually, you know, like nine feet tall is normally her minimum. And these were 40 by 30 inches. So like that was one thing. Um, But then other artists were kind of like reevaluating something of what they're doing and, um, you know, kind of going down another Avenue. Um, uh, I think like, like Rashid Johnson, like he was making, he was already making this anxious men series, but he was, um, you know, like bunkered in his, um, home in the Hamptons and made a makeshift studio in his basement and started making these you know, like really aggressive red oil stick paintings that were, you know, clearly it was like urgent like ring the alarm like this is like shit is happening this is real we're like i can't get out and so um you know it's a a combination of the both and i think the um the museum of contemporary art here in chicago just opened a show called the long dream and um that opened in response to what's been going on with COVID, and they had whatever exhibition that they had planned when they were going to reopen, say, um, postponed it. And they put this really, really incredible exhibition of, like, more than 70 artists. We have five artists in the show, which I'm very thankful for. Um, But, like, you know, all artists with, like, a socio-political bent to them already. But kind of, like, if there is an urgent COVID response, like, we'll, we'll include those works or... If we include another work that's a couple years old, it obviously has this like different resonance for what's going on now. Like, you know, like so many of my artists talk about, you know, violence against black and brown bodies, and it's just like this shit does not stop. And like, they're, they're and, like, I mean, they've been doing it for years, and it's just like it's the same thing over and over and over. And it's like, here we are in this pandemic, and like, You go back to the 1918 pandemic and, like, the same, like, persecution against people of color is just, like, it's not changed. You know, like, there's been change, but not enough change.
0: Yeah. The ugly that existed then still exists today.
1: Yeah, and just rearing its head even more, which is really, really, like obviously on the minds of of myself and um, all of my artists. So that's been like, I think that's, I think that the the psychological toll has probably been harder for them than maybe like the physical output. I I don't think it's, I don't think it's processed yet. I feel like, I feel like in a couple of years from now, we're going to, we're going to see something different. Like say like, you know, like the, the like the whole early AIDS epidemic. And, you know, it's horrible. And there were certainly artists of that time in those early days making some work, but it wasn't until like a few years later where there was like some like fully formed, um, you know, very rigorous conceptual work that kind of came out of that. And I feel that's probably the what we're going to see coming out of this because we're, you know, we're, we're still in
0: it. Right. That's interesting. I'll be watching. So let's get on the topic of art fairs. Let's talk about what you feel is the relevance of art fairs and what's going on with art. Basil.
1: Sure. Um, you know, I mean, art fairs have, um, they, they are, they are a part of the cultural landscape. Um, you know, serious galleries, um, can't do without them. Um, it's a, you know, it's a really important factor. Like not only like, can you get out to different parts of the world and bring your message there and, and get other eyes on things. Um, but it's, well, that, that's, that's kind of the main thing, right? It's like, it's getting out there. Now we're, I, I laugh when I you know think about doing art fairs, 25 years ago when we actually used to have to pay to get like, um, I don't even know what it's called anymore. Like a, like a landline for a phone, like the phone jack. The phone jack. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I did a fair in Italy without like before cell phones, just like it's mind boggling. But anyway, they're, they're super necessary. Um, There, there's way too many of them. There is no one who will argue that with me. And, and I think the art world has been going on this corrective nature where, you know, like when you go down to Miami in the first week of December, it's like, you know, Art Basel is like the biggest thing. And then you have like this untitled fair and you have Nada and then you have like 28 offshoots. So like now maybe there's only like five or seven, six like real offshoots. Um, but you know, they're, they're they're not going away. I hope this COVID thing, like everything that's happening um, kind of tightens everything up, but it's a very interesting thing now because, you know, regardless of if art fairs are getting postponed, because we obviously can't have them physically, everybody is trying to do them virtually and they are tedious. Like who wants to go through 250 galleries, virtually like you're only going to make it 20 minutes and you're never going to have like that turning the corner and be like oh my god like look at that piece like i should go into that booth and check it out um but we still have to participate in them virtually uh so we are we are coming up on our basel miami beach we're having our online viewing room it opens on december 2nd um and we were we, for the first time last year, we were actually um, accepted into the fair. We were in their Art Nova section, which is kind of for like more like a kind of emerging artists. Uh, we did a two-person booth with Maya Cruz Palaleo and Ebony G. Patterson. So this year we applied and we got into the main gallery sector. It's a, it's a big deal. Like, you know, these art fairs, um, you know, this is competitive thing. It doesn't matter if you have the money, like you can throw money at them. You have to be accepted by a jury of your peers by a program that you actually say you're going to show. And we were very excited to, we had six artists from our program that we had curated a a very meaningful booth. And, um, you know, we, we will have to present that only in a virtual space. Um, and so we have, uh, um, Candida Alvarez, Sanford Biggers, David Antonio Cruz, Maya Cruz Palaleo, Ebony Patterson, and Cheryl Pope. So all and by the way, so all of these artists were making new work for this, which they still did. And we shipped everything here to Chicago. Uh Maya's painting was the last to arrive today, still wet. It is it is still wet. It was very precarious hanging it, but it's it's safe and good. And we actually hung our, you know, virtual booth in real life in our back room. So we're going to treat this fair. um, You know, we're going to present it visually on their virtual platform. But daily, we're going to do um, Instagram live visits with each of the six artists, with me being physically here in the gallery with the work. So anyone can be, you know, can ask, oh, I'd really like to get, Closer to that, Cheryl Pope work, and I'd really like to see how, like, she actually paints with fabric. Show me what that looks like, close, like, um, closely, and it, you know, would would replicate the best way that we can um, in a virtual
0: space. Wow. that's interesting. Were you challenged at first in terms of how creative you could get with this?
1: It was very, you know, it was very interesting to. Yes, you know, just kind of sit there, um, you know, we're here, we're in a holding pattern and what's everybody else doing. And, um, you know, I'm just like, we, like, we can't, we can't not go forward. Like we're, we're creative people. We've got to figure out a creative solution. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was you know, like sitting down with Nate Young and just being like, look, we're, we're putting on the damn show, even if it can only be shown virtually. And that was before any online viewing room was launched. And I'm not saying that, like, we didn't have an online viewing room. We didn't even know what that was. But to just understand the only way we could present his work was through, like, a short video um, just really gave us hope. And, and we were finally able to open the show for two weeks for in-real-life viewing, which was so cool because everybody you know we were by appointment only we had like for those two weeks every single day every appointment was was filled and like every curator and museum director and collector in chicago we were very fortunate that we had so much support but everyone came in saying we have never had so much knowledge about an exhibition before seeing it right like they had seen the press release they've seen like the video they had like received the checklist and in advance because you know we can't hand you a press release because our hands are there and whatever. And, um, like I, there's, I think there's so much, uh, there's so much interesting things like, like these videos and whatever else that's going to come out of this, that I, I'm very, very optimistic
0: about what can happen. Yeah. And, and hopefully that, that format, you know, will be carried forward. So it's been great talking with you. And I'm going to ask you our last question. I've learned a lot. Thank you so much um, with this, but where do you hope to see the art world this time next year?
1: So in a year from now, I am really hoping um, in in the art world that we are actually physically in, in Miami, participating in Art Basel in person. Uh, I think that's what we're all missing so much right now. And so I'm, you know, hoping a, a a real vaccine is globally available to everybody and um, you know, we can, we can carry on. Um, I really, I I think that, you know, during all, during COVID, during all the unrest that we've had this year um, you know, I felt that the art world has become a bit more collegial. Um, You know, we've been kind of collaborating more with some of the other galleries that we share artists with, like really, really kind of, you know, like, Acknowledging that you know the the artist is the engine of all of these galleries, and um, you know we're we're working together for a common cause. And um, I've you know I've seen other things like like David Werner, um you know the mega gallery opening up their website to younger galleries, which you know is sharing their platform. So I'm really hoping that these sorts of collaborations that have grown out of the adversity um, of this past year that will will continue to grow, and we can you know from a year from now we can kind of See see that what the seeds have have sown, um, and I'm I'm really I'm hoping in, in a year from now um, that there's there's an even more acknowledgement of the systemic racism in our world and not just the art world. Um, I hope that it continues to be corrected in meaningful ways, and um, you know not just by every gallery adding an artist of color on their roster just to appear woke. Um, you know I, I every you know for the past several years there you every year you go down to Basel you're, you're kind of seeing um, in Miami you know like seeing the diversity of other people's programs and so I want to I want to continue to see that grow but I think the institutions have a, have a lot of a lot of work to do um, and then finally I'm I'm hoping that the divisiveness that we have witnessed this year like you know from the, the White House down to every corner of this country, um, I, I'm hoping that that has, the divisiveness has lessened. And I'm just, I'm, I hope that people are, are more kind and inclusive and really willing to celebrate our differences. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that's very, very hopeful. I don't know if all that can be, uh, you know, achieved in, in a one year's time, but that's the lens that I'm looking at.
0: Well, it's a great lens. It's a great lens, thank you. And thank you so much for your time. I'm delighted that I was able to feature you and best of luck during this week.
1: Thank you so much, it was my pleasure and thank you so much for including me.
0: Thank you, take care. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.